So, a different topic. Hey, Mike. Hey, John. How are you doing this evening, sir? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. I was kind of looking for a song to come into it with, you know, something to celebrate our our North Dakota. Uh, I, I don't know if heritage is the way to say it, because, <laughs> I mean, neither, neither one of us were raised here. But, right, you know, yeah. Just a, appreciate where where we're, we're at right now. And uh, especially before, you know, we make the, uh, well, I don't, I don't know if I should say it. Uh, nah, let's, let's not, it, let's not, let's not even tease it. We'll, we'll, we'll tell them when it's okay, time. Okay. Okay. We'll, we'll tell them when it's time. Yeah. That's fine. Anyways. So, uh, it's, it's, uh, gonna be some cuts in this episode, apparently. <laughs> Because I totally lost my train of thought. Well, we were talking about our lovely state of North Dakota and how you wanted to uh, find a song to commemorate our North Dakotaness. Well, yeah, I I know where I was, what I was saying. I just I I lost my train of thought on how I would transition into anything else. Oh, <laughs> although <laughs> you know what's funny is, uh, and I sent this picture into a discord that we're both a part of although not into public part of it but uh the the uh map of a of a add conversation <laughs> and we both agree that that's very much representative of our show yeah it's it's pretty accurate and what's what's funny about it to me is that if you follow this flowchart it's linear it's a straight line but they still have it jumping all over the place. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's not like it branches or anything. It's no. it's just it's curved on in on itself, but it's still <laughs> a linear conversation. It just yeah. you know, there's not just the one topic involved in the linear conversation. And yeah. that is definitely our show. Yeah. I think I think we should probably rework this though and do branches for topics. For other topics, yeah, and and show that Absolutely. And like only eighteen percent of them actually come back to some central point. <laughs> <laughs> like there's there's stubs that go off and there's just kind of end, yeah, <laughs> because the the topic has branched off and you mean to come back to it, but it just never really comes around to it, right? But yeah. that's it's really only a problem, you know, if other people can hear you, and of course we're doing this for people that can hear us because obviously we're putting it out there for people to hear us. Right. But, uh, what if you were only able to, you know, focus in and, and, and make it to where only one person could hear you like one, and not be like, overheard, not <clears throat> like one individual and in, in, in a crowd. Yeah. Like, yeah, uh, using cool. a laser beam. <laughs> yeah. It'd be pretty cool. Yeah. So, so that's a topic. Uh, apparently, there is a technology out there that they're working on that uses lasers to vibrate the moisture in the air right outside of somebody's ear so that it acts like headphones, basically, so that that one person can hear whatever you're whatever you're sending to them 
Nobody else can hear it around you. The vibration is so minute that it's just audible to the one person. Perfectly clearly audible, <clears throat> yeah, but that's, just for one person. That's pretty cool. And I, I think um, I'd heard of this before, maybe back when I was in college. Um, and I, I see in, in the article that, that you linked to this from, they, they called it the photoacoustic effect, but I'm pretty sure it had a different name or is it, there's another name for it. I'm just racking my brain trying to remember what it was, but I, I don't remember now. This is really cool tech. It, it reminds me of the, um, uh, the kind of opposite technology that, uh, that some, I think the U S military, maybe not us. I think it was the U S military was using, um, in, um, uh, after nine 11, for some crowd control techniques, some non-lethal cloud crowd control techniques. They were using these, uh -huh. these walls of sound that were um, extremely high frequency or extremely low frequency where you couldn't actually hear You're them. You're about to tell me about the brown note, aren't you? No. But the, the, the brown <laughs> note, the, the, the concept of the brown note is pretty funny. <laughs> Although yeah. the Mythbusters were unsuccessful in reproducing it. Um, well, Let's let's be honest. I love the myth, Mythbusters. Don't get me wrong. And I think their show was really well done. And and they they did a pretty good job of of trying to realistically recreate things. But it wasn't always the most scientific. Sure. So I mean, it was they 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 tried really hard. I I, I believe that they tried to reproduce anything that they were worked on. Mm -hmm. But um, just because they couldn't reproduce it, it's not like they were going yeah. out and finding all available research on a topic. Yeah. Some of the things they and I know they had a research team. I'm sure they did. They did. Maybe they didn't. Maybe, but yeah, they had a research team. Yeah. But I mean, if if it's a protected government project, there may not be available public research to be had on it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I wasn't suggesting that the U.S. was making a bunch of Iraqi soldiers and Afghan <laughs> Afghanistan combatants uh, shit their pants. <laughs> I was just saying. Well, I'm not, I'm not there was, saying that, that that's the case either. Yeah. I'm just saying that just because the Mythbusters couldn't produce a brown note doesn't necessarily mean that it can't be produced. Yeah. Um, but the, this kind of thing fascinates me. I'm, I'm, I fancy myself an audio engineer at some point in my life. And I, I like the idea of learning more and more about sound and acoustics has always interested me. And, uh, I, so, uh, actually to, to, to take a step back, the other word for the photoacoustic effect that I was looking for was optoacoustic, which, uh, thank you Wikipedia okay. for, for bringing that up. Um, and, but yeah, so the, the military was using kind of the opposite of this technology for some non-lethal crowd control and, um, extremely high frequency and extremely low frequency that you can't hear, but the amplitude was so high that you would, that if you were in the way of this wall of sound, you couldn't hear anything. You, the, it, it would overpower your eardrums because your eardrums are still moving. You just, you just, you're not picking it up. You know, your eardrums move just because the air around you is moving. And that's what sound is. Okay. So it was so high. You couldn't pick it up. 
and so but it was low, so yeah. loud that it was deafening. So high and so low, but it was so loud. It was deafening. That yeah, and it was now, painful, and so it, you could feel it. Supposedly, have never been hit by anything like this, but um, people in in the way of it said that you could feel the air moving around you, that it, it was, it was extremely uncomfortable and very disorienting. And that's uh, super cool. Yeah. It's super interesting. Not necessarily cool, but <clears throat> real quick, I, I want to take just a small second to, to recognize a thing. When, when I started talking about this story on the show just now, when I researched, I'm like, Oh, this is a cool story. Uh, it's, going to be really cool to talk about. And then when I started talking about it, I'm like, well, it, it is really cool, but there's just not much that we're going to be able to talk about. And, and here we are. I'm yeah, here <laughs> we are. This is, this is why we wanted to start this. I'm having yeah. fun. You're having fun. And we're really just tossing around some cool ideas anyways. Yeah, yeah. So one, one thing that I'm curious about though, if it was, if it was of such an amplitude to be a deafening volume sound, even though you couldn't hear it. I mean, I, I work currently in an, in a position where I'm around industrial areas that require hearing protection all the time. So I'm, and, and safety is a huge focus. So one of the topics that we, we go over a lot is safety related in hearing. So we, we learn about, you know, decibel levels that if, in in common common terms, like if if it's so loud that you have to raise your voice to hear over it, and you're in that that environment for longer than X number of minutes, then there's a higher prob- probability of of damaging your eardrums and, right. and or the the follicles that that pick up the sound waves, and actually leading to early hearing loss. So I kind of wonder, just because you can't hear it doesn't mean that if it's painful and and you can't hear around it, I'm wondering if that would have the same same problems of hearing loss if, say, somebody couldn't get out of the area for whatever reason yes, in a very short amount yes, of time. Yes, it, it absolutely could. And um, what's because one of the things that can harm your hearing the most is amplitude. Um, right. And so quick lesson on, on waveforms, um, you know, sound travels through air in a wave. Um, the air molecules make a wave pattern that you can, you can actually see if you have the right instrumentation, you can see these, this, this waveform happening. The, the taller oh, there, there's the a wave. topic we haven't brought up yet yeah. that is perfect for for that oh the the, the <laughs> physics of a whip yeah. yeah um so the there are, t- are two main features of a wave you have the amplitude which is how tall the wave is and then you have the frequency which is how many times that wave r- repeats in a second um so high frequency means that it repeats a lot of times in a second. High amplitude means that the peaks and valleys are really far apart. And the the I think it's either hair or cilia in your your behind your eardrum. Not like right behind, but in, in the canal behind your, your That's what is actually doing eardrum. the listening, yeah. Or the hearing. Yeah. So 
so it they're tuned you you have different ones that are tuned to pick up on different frequencies and just because the the cycles per second of of a of a frequency isn't being picked up by any one of those follicles whether it's too fast or too slow mm-hmm. i mean if the the amplitude is there and they are still going to be moving just right. Not to the frequency that they're tuned to pick up on. Now, this particular crowd control device is so loud that we're not talking about having the kind of damage that you get from long term exposure to high volume where Uh where those those hairs in your ear um, start to lose their efficacy. It's it's not like that. We're talking about your eardrum rupturing. <laughs> it's, oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, that, it, it's, it's extreme. So it's creating loud. pressure waves that are actually bursting. Yeah. And this is where I was going that, 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 uh, the main course of hearing da- or the main cause of hearing damage here is the extremely high amplitude. Um, so your, your eardrum is not just moving back and forth, uh, to the wave, dramatically or it's not just moving back and forth rapidly it's moving back and forth dramatically right right so it's fast and traveling a long way it's it's a it's a recipe for blowing your ears out for sure well but i said all that to say this this thing that you're bringing up here with the 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 um what did they call it photoacoustic effect is is yeah. like the exact opposite of this. <laughs> so they <laughs> they've figured out how to use lasers essentially to uh I think you mentioned this, I think you might have covered it. Um that they they use these lasers to manipulate the moisture in the air around mm-hmm. a target ear and cause these waves. And so the person can hear this thing as if it's pretty loud to, to them it's it sounds it sounds pretty loud but yeah it sounds it can sound <clears> as loud <throat> as somebody talking right next to them right but um it uh isn't bleeding off into the people around you now right uh, when i first heard now, about currently this, it's only really working <clears throat> indoors in controlled environments sure they're working to get it they're they're trying to get it to work better outdoors and and in regular regular environments but yeah it's even in dry dry climates or or environments they say uh, if you're able to be in that environment comfortably in any sense of the word mm-hmm. there should be enough moisture that this will work because if there's like no moisture in a, in an environment you're going to feel uncomfortable and dry, right? right? So they said pretty much even in the the driest arid dr- deserts, there's still enough moisture to make this for work. this to to make the the noise. Yeah, that's pretty cool that you can hear. Now, um, yeah. do you how far does this actually work? I I, uh, I want to say when I first heard about this, it was it was less than ten feet, but I, I don't remember exactly. Right now, they're they're able to target uh, up to two point five meters is is what they mention in the article. That's a little over. But eight they're feet. working on longer <laughs> ranges. Cool. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's a little over eight feet. 
Yeah, that's really neat. That's, I mean, uh, that's a good find. It's two point five meters. It's it's two point five meters. I mean, of course, it's like eight ish feet. Duh. No, just <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. But let's face you, it. If you know that conversion, I'm, I'm yeah, American. of course it is. <laughs> if you don't know the conversion, <laughs> I'll I'll happily do your conversion for you to get you into the the only. Why why are we the only country in the world that does imperial still? No, we're one of three. I mean, come on. Is it three? At the last, the I only. said one. I was being hyperbolic. I, I thought it was actually two. Yeah. No, it, it, there's three, and the other two are, like, much, much smaller countries than us. And I think both of them are, like, third world countries. I'm not absolutely sure. I'd have to, to Google it. Uh, and I'm saying this like I don't have a computer right in front in front of me where I can Google um, imperial measurement. <laughs> so I just looked it up. Three countries are not using metric. Liberia. Yeah. Myanmar. And the world superpower of the United States of America. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and <clears throat> Liberia isn't necessarily like fully third world. Myanmar, I'm, I'm not sure what their status is on on how advanced their their culture is. Sure, but you know, United States is countries. quickly becoming third world. Uh, well, I, don't, I don't know about all that. <laughs> no, no, we're we're definitely not like becoming third world. I, I know a lot of people will will say that and and actually truly believe it, and they have never seen what actual third world is. I mean, we are far uh, away, from, away from, from third world. Yeah. <clears throat> but what, yeah. Why aren't we using a common sense measuring system? Uh, because America that you know, on base <laughs> 10, I mean, Oh God. Yeah. <sighs> America. Yeah. You know, and what's funny about the, you know, talking about uh, looking at this map and seeing this, Seeing how small Liberia and Myanmar are, they're they are tiny. They're, they're tiny. We have states yeah. that are th that size or bigger. Um, well, that's wild let's to me. be honest. England, one of the historic, you know, world superpowers. Uh, we have many states that are larger than England. Right. Many. And and on maps it doesn't necessarily look that way. If you're looking at a square map that has the the poles stretched out because of that that stretch, but there's a there's some utility that you can take a country and then drag it to compare it its actual size against other other countries or states, and it is surprising. After being used to seeing a squared off map all the time, yeah. it is really surprising how small England is compared to most of our states. Yeah. It's that's just true. crazy. Um, and anytime I think about borders, and I, I remember, um, um, I think it was John Glenn, the astronaut John Glenn, that said, uh, he made the comment that when you're in space and you're looking down at Earth, you, you can't see those borders. And, right. uh, and he said how that you know, he talked about, I think, man, I, I'm going to screw this. Somebody is going to hear this and say that that wasn't John Glenn. You, you, you <laughs> moron. 
um, and you know, whoever it was, it, it was a, it was an, an astronaut from, I believe from the Apollo program. And it was, he was making the comment that, um, you know, when you're up there and you're looking down, all you see is this thin atmosphere. It's, it's not this towering sky over you. It's this thin layer of gas that just barely hugs the surface of this planet and there are no borders. And it, it really changed the way that he looked at life on earth. And I think that's, I just I that's like beautiful. the, I like the Abraham Lincoln quote about, you know, when you're looking at the earth from the surface of the moon, it really per- puts in perspective how small we are. Abraham Lincoln said that. <laughs> That's what I saw online. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure you uh, you were lied to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love quote misattribution. Absolutely. Uh, purposeful, not you know. Oh yeah. Use of comedy, not <laughs> yeah. Not I think um, just because you actually believe that Abraham Lincoln said that, that would be uh, that would be the state of our education system yeah, in sure. high schools today. <laughs> I, I, want, I want to say I think Penn Jillette from Penn and Teller deliberately misquoted something on Facebook or Twitter maybe just to see how, how far it would go and he had to he ended up issuing an apology because <laughs> it was it was somewhat believable but it still was wrong and yeah he it was this big social experiment every time I see a um uh statistic or a uh survey that's done in general pu- public that is like uh who was our first president of the United States and and you know people are like uh Abraham Lincoln, John Adams, uh Benjamin Franklin it just oh I can't <laughs> pieces of me just die inside yeah uh yeah but for sure you know public I, and you never know how many of those people are just going like I, I i don't have time to to even give this a percentage of my thought process i'm trying to get to work and, and aren't really giving it a, an honest answer or maybe they're trying to troll the the survey taker or whatever you right. never know how many people are are doing that but it's it's still it's just like oh my it's god a, it's a it's enough to to make you feel gross that's for sure yeah yeah. So we started down this topic by lasers that produce sound in your ear. Mm-hmm. And we ended up with Abraham Lincoln giving a quote from the surface of the moon. Right. <laughs> um, what an odd, odd change of, of topic there. We should, we should flowchart these. <laughs> yeah, we, we should definitely <laughs> flowchart these. <laughs> Oh, well, I actually well, tried. I tried really hard there. I, I tried to segue us two different times into one of our topics, um, talking about this, uh, seeing Earth from space without the borders. I was trying to get to the ET stuff and then uh, <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> talking about the about trolling the surveyor. I was like, yeah, I can really make you feel nasty. So maybe maybe we can kind of go take us into a shower of thought. <laughs> Okay. I tried twice, but it failed. Oh, and you made the text on the shower thought really big and right. Yeah, I How blew it up that? so you could see it. Like you tried to take the hint. 
<laughs> I was on I was on one of the sources for the laser. Yeah, so I figured. I didn't even see that. <laughs> uh, well, maybe now is a good time uh, to take a quick break to fill our pockets, and then we can shower after the the whole dirty money thing. Okay. <laughs> okay. I mean, if we're doing commercials right now, right. There might be a commercial rolling right now. If there is, then you're not listening to me. If there isn't, then you are listening to me. And we're or back maybe from it our just commercial played. break. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so now that we maybe actually uh, made some some money to help keep doing this passion project of ours uh maybe passion project i feel so dirty i mean dirty i feel so dirty with that that weird north dakotan kind of sort of sort of southern accent (laughs) feel so dirty (laughs) (laughs) okay so i spent a lot of my formative years in in the southwest or southeast um I I can't I just because I live in North Dakota doesn't mean that I that I grew up here. I North already said Dakota. we didn't grow up here. North Dakota. North Dakota. <laughs> but let's uh let's get in the shower, Mike. Take a quick shower, yeah. <laughs> let's take a shower and get naked get with soaked me. up and uh we really we really need a sound effect for this, by the way. <laughs> but for right now like a, a we're still starting out. Toilet flushing. So. <laughs> I was thinking maybe uh uh shower going and la 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 la. Oh, yeah. So maybe maybe we'll produce that someday. Yeah, maybe. But the shower thought of of today, if I can read it because somebody <laughs> made it all big and red. There. There. There we go. I fixed it. <laughs> uh, if we were I mean, we're, we are looking for t- t- terrestrial life. We're constantly scanning, scanning the skies to see if we can find any sign of extraterrestrial life. But the question is, would we even be able to detect it today? Mm. Uh, and this is something that just kind of popped in my head uh, last week while I, was, while I was taking a shower. It's just like, well, yeah, you know. We're l- listening to all this, but like the nearest galaxy is how far away? The nearest solar, other solar system is is light years away, right? So yeah, <clears throat> so the the nearest solar system is Alpha take? Centauri, and uh, it's a little over four light years away. It's, a, it's surprisingly close, it, um, really in the galactic in this right. in the scheme of things in the universe it's it's a pretty near neighbor um i and don't the nearest know galaxy is 2.5 million light years away uh, i think it's more than that i think it's a billion no maybe it's a million yeah. andromeda Let's yeah see. andromeda according to um yeah two and a half according yeah, right. to two and a half million physics, light years. physics it's two and a half million light years uh, according to it's okay to be smart uh the oldest uh the oldest uh oh no no, no sorry according to minute minute physics still 
the the furthest we can see out is 13 billion years 13 billion light years right. before we start seeing background noise caused from the last remaining parts of the the big bang right um now life on earth is only about three and a half billion years old mm-hmm. and that's not so, intelligent that's not human life that's just organisms yeah that's total life yeah uh the the total intelligent life on earth and and modern may, technology it may I mean, still be zero actually <laughs> yeah modern technology where we were able to broadcast anything out at least that we know of was only since the 1920s so less than yeah 100 <clears throat> years well so the our ancestor or our ancestry i think goes back in, in the 200 or 300,000 year range um mm-hmm. which is less than an instant in in universal time or galactic time i mean out <laughs> it's of 3.5 billion years yeah yeah it's a meaningless amount of time um but so you so your question was would we even be able to detect extraterrestrial life and i love that i love that question um and the reason because i love it because for us to detect it i mean it have well, to be millions of years old in a technological technological age that we would even be able to pick up well, so here, signals from here's them. the thing. So we, we need to talk to, to have this conversation. We need to talk. We need to talk about how long it takes for things to travel these distances. Right. Um, and right. so the, uh, the first live television broadcast on earth was the, the German summer Olympics in 1936 and 83 years ago. Now um, that signal is flying away from earth off the surface of earth at the speed of light in all directions. So 83 years ago, this signal was sent out into space. Any life forms within 83 light years of earth could get that, could have received that message. Now, which is still not even outside of our galaxy. No, by a long shot. <laughs> so right. Um, so I, I've got a bunch of numbers here. Um, I'm not even going to talk about intergalactic stuff here. The, this is what I'm going to talk about is just inside our galaxy. Okay. Just trying to give okay. a sense of scale. Um, we don't know the exact number of stars in our galaxy. The, the And the error bar on this is crazy huge. It's somewhere between 100 billion stars and 400 billion stars. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, um, so let's just take the low end, the, the most reasonable of those numbers, the reasonable for what, for our thought experiment here, or right. the most generous for our case, I should say a hundred billion stars, our galaxy. Um, so, I'm going to take two different directions here. Before I talk about contacting, I want to, before I talk about contacting an ET and extraterrestrial, I want to talk first about what it takes to visit another solar system. Okay. Okay. If so, let's just say conservatively, there are a hundred billion stars in our galaxy. If you somehow had the technology to instantly transport 
from where you are today to another star, like the next nearest star and stay there for one second. I'm going to throw a lot of numbers here. Okay. So you, you teleport instantly from your current location to the next nearest star. There's no travel time. You're there instantaneously. You stay there for one second. And in that one second, you scan all available planetary bodies uh, and look for life, for signs of life. You don't, no matter what the results of that scan are, you don't stay there. You just take a snapshot and then you teleport again to another star. You stay there for one second okay, and you move on. If you did that for just 1% of the stars in, in our galaxy, with the conservative number of 100 billion stars, that process would take you 31.7 years. Jeez. You spent one second at 1 billion stars with no breaks. You didn't have a shift change. You didn't resupply. You didn't sleep. You didn't do anything. Yeah. No but breaks. travel to a, a different solar system. Once a second. Scan. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> Once a second until you got to 1%. Now, that's 1%, and it took nearly 32 years. Now, if we take the, the higher estimate, the 400 billion stars, 1% of that is 4 billion. You do that for one second. Uh, you do the exact same thing where you visit a system for one second. That's a hundred and twenty six current lifespan. A hundred and twenty six point yeah. eight years. That's just for God. scanning those locations. So you're going to spend thirty one somewhere between thirty one and a hundred and twenty seven years scanning all of the stars in the nearest 1% of the galaxy. (laughs) Okay. And when you're done, you're going to go back to your home planet and you're going to report your findings. You're going to say, these are the stars that have life around them. At that point, they could then found any that have life. If you found any. Yeah. So at that point you could then send out another teleportation ship and go do whatever you're going to, you know, harvest them. (laughs) If you, (laughs) because let's be honest here, if we're talking about a, a civilization that has the, that has this level of technology and this level of control over energy, over time and space, this is not, yeah, this is that we're talking about probably they, I mean, way far beyond any kind of technology that we have, obviously. <laughs> so, obviously, yeah. That, they, so, they would be so far beyond us right now. Yeah, we we are not. We mean nothing to them. Um, we so, we are basically cattle or or ants, right? Uh, compared so, to what the technology they would have. Yeah. Now you would have to have um a hundred drones that can do this teleportation thing and send them out in, into the galaxy in order to get a report back from all 1% sections, you know, take you split up the, the galaxy into, into 1% slivers and, um, 
So you get a hundred of those and then you send out drones to each one of those. They all have to, they all go out and they do their research. They're all going to come back in that 31 to 127 year range. Like whatever that, whatever that is, they're all going to come back. And then you will have scanned 100% of the entire galaxy for life. Now, that even in that case, where you scanned 100% using 100 drones, you or drones or ships or, you know, whatever you want to call them, you, you, you right. still did that. It still took 30, 31 to 127 years to get that data back. Okay, so what I hear you saying is we need to figure out perfect uh, trans instant teleportation, perfect instant teleportation, the perfect way to scan for life on planets and, and to get the whole system at the whole system in one shot, automate the whole system and replicate it across 4,000 times so that we ha can send out 4,000 drones to do this across our galaxy and be able to reap the benefits within hopefully four years. I didn't follow your math there. I'm going to guess that's right. Um, <laughs> But whatever it is, you know, if you wanted to do something like that, let's let's just say you put together the technology necessary to get your feedback in four years. You still have to wait four years. Yeah. Now, and that's, you know, we're, we may very well be talking about a civilization that four years means nothing. You know, the, the, the technology necessary to do this, those people may have figured out immortality <laughs> so four years or even 127 years may be a meaningless number that they may not care about that now i mean we're looking we're, at sending out space probes to planets within our solar system that we don't get data back for four years right we are so far away from doing anything like this oh that it's yeah it's impossible saying that, that we're far well, away from it is not even all that accurate it, it's, this is the We're kind of technology sure necessary like for this, this is probably impossible <laughs> but yeah. um you know what do we know we we haven't been around very long but i mean um, say say another another life form exists that has figured out something along these lines mm -hmm. well it, and and say they visited us uh several times already they've they found life and they're researching us it it kind of explains why cows and humans have both been picked up they don't know the difference because our technology is just so primitive to them or or they do know the difference but they don't care <laughs> and I, yeah you know I, I think it was yeah. um we may have even mentioned this in a previous show uh but i think it was neil degrasse tyson made the comment in a in an interview that we are just a couple of percent different from chimpanzees in uh like genetically and that oh, difference yeah. Yeah, yeah means that difference is enough that we can raise chimps in captivity and they have no idea that they're in captivity they don't know that the rest of the world exists if that's just the difference between 2% in genes going up against a race of, 
of creatures, of a race of intelligent beings that are capable of this level of investigation into the galaxy, we may very well be in captivity right now. We would have. We would have no way to know. If we'd we have weren't. no idea. Yeah, I mean, we, yeah. We, we 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 are the chimps. We are less than chimps in that we're ants in an ant farm compared to so a, it, a civilization that has this kind of this level of technology. It's a science fiction movie, but I I do kind of find it funny. Um, Men in Black, the the first one where they're saying that they got all the technology from from visiting aliens and. CDs and and tapes oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and all that and they're like yeah we're we're getting low on funds so we're we're about to release the next the next storage medium I guess I'll have to buy the the white album again yeah <laughs> but it, it's funny we don't know where bursts of inspiration come from I mean there's there's no <clears throat> no way that we can say that when we have a sudden creative or, or technological burst of, of, of sudden leap forward in technology because like somebody industrial just revolution, had this, for example. Yeah. Right. Somebody just had a random idea of, Oh, well I can, I can make parts that are the same, a bunch of them out of casts and, and then we can put them together on an assembly line and it'll make things go so much quicker. Who's to say that thought wasn't pushed into Henry Ford's mind or or uh right. what what's his the dude that made the the cotton gin, Eli Whitney was his name? Um, I mean, that sounds right. Who who's to say these these great inventors and, and thinkers aren't just being fed ideas that that have made great turns in our history uh i mean how do we go from from figuring out a cotton gin which is basically just rakes combing through cotton to pick seeds out to micro microprocessors that are nano sized transistors on a silicone chip right. within what, 150 years? Right. I mean, yeah, the, it, seem, it, seem, it seems impossible. That's that it seems impossible. Um, it, it, it does. It, it seems absolutely insane when you think, and, and today we're used to it. I'm, I'm looking at this lit screen with the whole of, of human intelligence available at my fingertips, and I don't have to think hard about it, but. You know, a lifespan ago, this was science fiction. Us, yeah. we're not in the same room right now talking, and we're recording this podcast. And later, we're gonna we're going to uh, we're, we we don't even like email. I just I just hit save, and, and it automatically saves, and and you grab it from where it saved at and, oh, and edit I mean, it yeah, together. We, we're and, using a Google sheet to track our, our, our uh, topics for these shows and we can yeah. see each other editing live. <laughs> so, you know, it's a, it's a, it's, it's and, a whole, we, we, we did that from, what did you say? 150 years ago, we were, we had the, yeah the developed the cotton gen and now we're live editing files over the internet. 
It's wild. I mean, 60 or 70 years ago, telephones were a novel thing to have in the house. I mean, yeah, seriously. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so if we can take it back to the actual question from the shower thought about detecting extraterrestrial life. Um, yeah. Right now, we there are some projects in the works or projects that have been going on for decades, even uh, the the search for extraterrestrial intelligence, also known as SETI. Um, mm-hmm. They they use a, a variety of radio telescopes um, in several places around the world and um, have been searching the skies. Uh, there are, are a couple other ones. SETI is a really. You can help by uh, by adding processing power to to yeah, the SETI processing array. It's it's yeah really um, cool stuff. They use a distributed computing model, so you can uh, you can use their application called SETI at Home with a with the little at symbol SETI at Home, and uh, you can lend your computer to the search for ET. Um, but anyway, uh, in in addition to SETI, there are uh, several others, um, and the a problem. A criticism of these experiments is that they are looking for things that we that we would we're looking for things in space as if we were trying to find humans. In other words, right. we're looking for things like old television broadcasts, radio broadcasts. Um, we're looking for things like we we're not really trying to find things like ships, like like spacecraft, because. A spacecraft is tiny and, and, you know, compared even, and, you know, unless we're talking about a death star that's the size of a planet or a moon, um, you're not, you're not talking about it as something that's large enough to really be able to track from here with current technology. So, I mean, are we really just looking for radio transmissions or structured transmissions? Because I know the SETI project has, has picked up of, uh, on a lot of interesting, interesting waves that that they've seen or or yeah. electromagnetic anomaly, and and have been able to filter through a lot of it and explain a lot of it away, but they're not just looking for you know TV signals right. like what we sent out yeah. for the for the German Olympic Games. I mean, right? But they're they're, they're, they're looking, looking for, for different things. things. They're looking for things that that we know exist. Right. They're not looking for things that we don't know exist. Or we don't know exist, obviously, because we don't know they exist. <laughs> so we... It'd be kind of hard to look for it. I mean, just saying. Yeah, and uh, much less to uh, reliably design a detector of some kind <laughs> for this, for the thing. Um <laughs> So yeah, design you know, a detector for some sort of transmission that we have no idea the properties of or how it would work. Yeah. Uh, you know, subspace transit <clears throat> transmissions that we can't subspace. do and is just theoretical. Yeah. Well, out of science and, fiction, and that and that's the thing. So the the likelihood that we detect some other life form out there that is beyond us in technology is probably pretty small. Now, the chance that we find someone out there that's at our level or earlier is probably pretty good. I'm not talking about the likelihood or the the likelihood of 
habitable planet, habitable planets being habited, inhabited. I'm I'm talking about right. it's we're less likely to find someone who has technology beyond ours than we are to find somebody who has technology like ours or less. Well, no. let, let's specify that there there's going to be there's likely going to be a short span of time that the transmissions coming from a civilization around our level of technology is going to to take the form of of radio transmissions. I mean, right. we just we just talked about a a way to to communicate with somebody using lasers so that only they could hear it. Yeah. What's what's to say that we don't find other ways of communicating between two people or being between masses of people that no longer require electromagnetic magnetic waves that just broadcast out without control. We well, already try to focus focus things uh, for satellite communication and whatnot that that don't just splay out into space. Yeah, it's so a, the, it's like a like if you turn on a light bulb that doesn't have a shade on it and you know, you have somebody drive away from you until they can't see it anymore. They're going to stop much closer to you than they would. If you had a laser, you were shining directly into their eye. Now, right. If you were doing that, they could drive much further away. And this is the problem. This is where I was headed. Actually, the 83 year old summer Olympics broadcast, um, is going out, from earth like a light bulb it's going out in all directions so mm -hmm. it, by now it's extremely diffuse i you i don't even know if it is still classified as detectable so it may not even be detectable anymore <clears throat> that, sim that signal may have old? completely dissipated into space and it, it, it may be just gone forever um, and again it hasn't even left our galaxy yet yeah, I mean, like I said, I'm not even going to touch the galaxy stuff because right. galaxies are so big and so far away that it's it's meaningless to talk about in, in this context. <laughs> but um, so I, what I'm getting at is we're, it may not even be that we're looking for. Let me rephrase that. It may not even be possible to detect civilizations that are at our level of technology because at our level of technology, we aren't doing mass broadcasts out to planets. We're doing these ambient accidental broadcasts like the, like the summer Olympics from 1936. Right. Um, now we do have some more focused communication arrays where we can, um, I believe it's the uh, very large array in is that New Mexico, Arizona, that can broadcast? Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to screw. That's it's actually it's not the VLA. I'm sorry, I don't remember the name. Is, is it Arecibo? Doesn't matter. We do have broadcast technology that is aimed out into specific regions of space, and we're just blasting as much information as we can in those directions. Um, but that's that's because really tight focus. It's 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 the equivalent of trying to hit. You know, the, it's it's an equivalent of that shooting <clears throat> sound lasers into people's ears. I mean, we're we're hitting, we're trying to target stars. 
So that entire right. solar system, so that entire system gets the broadcast. And we just hope because that there hopefully are there's there nice aliens on that on that system. Well, that but can it, hear it. it may not matter. So because that's the other thing. Let's just say the the nearest star that has because it could, we there are so many factors at play here. Yes, there are a huge number of stars in our galaxy. No matter what the number is between a hundred and four hundred billion, there, that's either both of those numbers are huge. If even if it's just a hundred billion. And we're able to tell Just. some civilization 40,000 light years away that we're here. It still took 40,000 years for that message to get to them. And then them responding is going to take another 40,000 years, assuming that they were able to immediately understand it. So right. that's an 80,000 year turnaround on that communication. So... It, it's not even really a question, not really just a question of technological difference. The The sheer size of the universe is the thing that's at play here. And this is why I was, I was giving the example of visiting those stars every one second for just 1% of the galaxy. Well, here's a question, uh, and you may not be able to answer this offhand, but it, it just occurred to me. Are are we shooting these these broadcasts like at where we see the light from right now, or are we calculating out and and swinging and hopefully shooting it to where hopefully it will be in forty thousand years? Uh, that I don't know. I would assume that these people are doing it correctly. <laughs> so. I, I would assume so, but. Um, because they, because really they target regions of space. Whenever, whenever you, I, I see articles or watch videos about this stuff, they they don't talk about trying to hit Alpha Centauri. They talk about aiming for regions of space where they say there's a a collection of stars here in this location. Um, they know there are thirty systems here, and we know that out of those thirty systems, half of them have planets. Um, there were thirty systems there forty thousand years ago. Well, it's probably different than that because those that would imply that all of those stars are really close together. So it may be that True. one of those stars, one of those systems is 40,000 light years away. Another one is 10,000. Another one is 100,000. You see what I'm saying? Like just because they're in a small cluster that's the size of your pinky nail doesn't mean that they're not vastly further away from you right now. That so you just only kind of makes blast. targeting worse, though. Well, yeah, that's that's my point ultimately <laughs> here is that this isn't yeah. this contacting creatures that on another planet is is an unbelievably complicated problem. There, it's you've got the the time it takes for that communication to happen one way. You have to assume that someone's going to be able to pick it up on the other end. So they they receive the signal. They think it's weird enough to investigate. They they devote resources to investigating it. They're able to solve it. Then they're able to fabricate technology that matches that kind of broadcast and send it back to us. But here's the funny thing about that. In 40,000 years, we're not going to be needing that technology anymore. In 40,000 years, 
it's entirely possible that no person on earth even exists, much less um, even remembers that that technology existed. So it's probably meaningless <laughs> unless we're able to find somebody really close like Alpha Centauri. I mean, there's a lot of stars. There's a, a 40 something stars that are less than 20 light years away. <clears throat> I mean, that's, that's plenty of time for us to send messages out and get a response back in it in one human lifetime. And I was just semi complaining, semi just discussing half a second lag in our, in our call that we use to make this podcast and how difficult and here that we are is talking to work about around. an 80,000 year lag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, oh. and, you know, think about that too, the 80,000 years, um, that's, uh, you know, we're talking about a, the human civilization, our, uh, nearest ancestors are 200,000 years ago. Well, you and know, 80,000 years. Maybe we That's will, will still be around because, uh, and, and time for, for a different topic now, uh, maybe we'll have the technology to still be around then because our last topic covers brain implants, AI and sp speech synthesizers mm. that can turn brain activity into robot words which in my mind Robot is words. like the first steps to being able to extend our life with actual, you know. Sure. Can I ask? Robot brains. As sincerely as I can ask any question, what the hell are robot words? Uh, <laughs> that was the, the, the title of the article. No, so, I know. The robot try, words. Trying to understand what robot words means. <laughs> um, it's one I, zero. I, I don't know if one zero <laughs> zero zero one one. <laughs> I don't know if that's completely an accurate de depiction. What it seems to be <laughs> is uh, translating a thought, a thought image. Uh, so doing an fMRI scan of of the brain and having a computer be able to analyze that fMRI scan and mm -hmm. turn around and identify the probable word or thought that's taking place during that scan. So I think by robot words it means uh, it means compare it against a database of of machine learned uh patterns and then turn around and and synthesize a a word are that you, are you are you trying to say make you sound like a speaking thinking. spell basically yes okay got it <laughs> <laughs> But um, a speaking spell powered by fMRI images only. So I, uh, you know, um, I, I'm a gamer. I, I, I play lots of games. I, I spent an obscene amount of money and time playing a video game called Eve Online. Um, okay. Eve Online is really cool. I'm not going to get into all that stuff. I'll talk to talk about it for an hour. Um, 
but <laughs> one of the one of the things in the game is uh you your essence like your your personhood everything that makes up you as a as a human being or as a as a as a sentient conscious creature can be transmitted across vast distances of space instantaneously between clones so um i may have five clones spread out all over the galaxy and at any point i can just bounce my consciousness between them now these clones have augments that they can wear and some of them are implants and um so when, when i'm thinking about brain implants i immediately start thinking about eve online you can have uh you can inject skills into your brain so you can say like i want to learn how to knit you know that's not a real thing in eve but you, right. just for the sake of this conversation i want to know how to knit and then you inject the knit the how to knit instructions directly into your brain and now you know everything there is to know about knitting um and now, i think that's, that's not that's really the cool. interface that i think about or that i want my wife has already thrown down the the ultimatum when they come out with the interfaces that i'm most inter interested in i'm not allowed to get them because she says i will not be the same person at at that point but Ooh, well what do you want then Okay, so I want to be able to see like uh, almost as if a monitor or uh, a few monitors were just implanted into my visual cortex so that I could see them beside or, or along with what I can see with my eyeballs. So I want uh, an output directly into my brain and I want a way to interface commands or or uh, uh an input into a a computer system but i don't okay. want the computer actually being able to like read my mind as per se but like this this speech in this speech synthesizer is close to what i would be thinking of for uh, a way to input into a computer because w what it boils down to just just to finish off the the article and and give a summary of the the conversational topic um so like the the late Stephen Hawking had a had a type of keyboard or I I don't know exactly the the interface that he had to work with but he had a way to speak through a computer computerized interface, but he still had to. It was controlled somehow, with his eyes. Okay, so he still had to to control it with with some sort of body movement. At the end, was the computer sentient, and he wasn't controlling it anymore, and he was just breathing when the computer was talking for him. We'll never really know, but <laughs> the point still remains. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think we know that. I think we know for sure yeah. that he he was definitely in control of that that uh, computer. <laughs> That's what the technicians are telling us. Yeah, now Stephen the Hawking really died fifteen years ago. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Well, he didn't really die. I mean, it was still keeping him alive because it, it needed him. But, you know, it, it, he wasn't in control anymore. It just was brilliant thoughts from a sentient computer. And, <laughs> and it's been we've had AI fully formed AI for the last 15 years. And it's just been under the guise of Stephen Hawking. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I like it. Uh, <laughs> that's my conspiracy theory, and I'm sticking to it. D- well, okay, that's one of it's, the. That's not a very a good. I, so let, let's modify that a little bit then. So Stephen Hawking is actually an alien. He came. He came in from some other system somewhere, and we have him, the real Stephen Hawking, the alien version of him in a lab and we tried to clone him and the clone malfunctioned and got ALS. Okay. ALS and clone Hawking is the one that ended up as the professor and wrote all the books and everyone knows. And, uh, but that guy, that version of him was completely incapable of any kind of like brain activity. So the alien, Stephen Hawking created this AI wheelchair and computer system that did all of the work. Aha. Uh-huh. I'm down with that. I'm down with that. Yeah. Prove me I wrong. Mean, let, <laughs> let's face it. All of this is a intricate, um, artificial, artificially correct, created reality for me to experience because I'm the only one that's real. We've sure, already sure. covered this. Sure, sure. It's it's just how it is. Sure, sure. <laughs> and uh, if you would like to see where that comes from, go back to episode one and listen to it, and you'll find <laughs> all about my delusion of of grandeur, where I'm the only real one that exists in this this reality. It's solipsism, I mean, it's, man. You're a solipsist. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, if Stephen Hawking had been around when this technology was fully developed and it's not fully developed yet. He wouldn't have had to move his eyes. It could have actually picked up his, his brain patterns and use that to synthesize speech, Uh, which is where this technology is going initially is just simply speech synthesis for people with issues like ALS, where they have lost control of a normal control of their body Mm -hmm. um, are still fully aware, but they can't do anything with the rest of their body. Right. Which I think is awesome in and of itself. That, that is a very, very cool use of technology. It's very, Um, it's cool, but it's also noble. I mean, yeah, this is, that's a thing that I, that encourages me a lot when I, I see these new prosthetic limbs that can help you, stand up and get some of your independence back when you're, you know, you're uh, a, a triple amputee and, you know, you, you oh can't my get God, around if, basically. If I weren't so much of a wimp, I'd say take take my legs below my knees now so I could have those really cool recurve legs that, you know, make I, you, that give you the ability funny. to run really fast. It's funny. I, I recently had this conversation and uh, I was and I said the same. I said a similar thing. I was like, man, like some of these things make me want to just tell you to just go ahead and take a limb. And the person I was talking to asked if I was talking if I wanted to replace them with like the recurve legs. And I said, no, the ones I want are those really cool, like carbon fiber 
leg analogs that kind of look like legs, but they have like uh-huh. see-through like holes and stuff where you can see through, but they're cool looking <laughs> carbon fiber. <laughs> yeah. Like that would be cool. Paint it matte black, <laughs> you know, or something. Hey, <laughs> if you don't have your Put leg anymore, in there. you can have best of both worlds. You can just change it out whenever you're, you're feeling yeah, like it. Absolutely. I mean, it's stuff like that. It makes me wish I'd actually gone into mechanical engineering so I could, I could have my regular leg, the, my carbon fiber matte black with like green LEDs, <laughs> you know, have that for my legs. And then, um, set up some kind of button where I can hit a button and it becomes a recurve leg so I can run fast. <laughs> oh yeah. That's, yeah. that's pretty wicked. I'm not trying that, to downplay. An awesome idea I'm not at all trying to make light of people who are amputees and have to go no. through this. <laughs> I just, I think that some of the technology that's out there for you guys is really cool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I, I understand that. If if you were in a situation unfortunate enough where you have to lose a limb, there's definitely some psychological issues that you're going going to deal with. There's there's rehabilitation. It's painful. It's it's a serious topic. It's we we're, we're really not trying to make light of of the mm. situation at all. But yeah, yeah the, there is some. Really cool technology available now. And uh, going back to to the idea, technology has progressed so far so quickly. This was this is something that wasn't available, you know, 20, 30 years ago. And there are some technologies now, not for not for everybody. But, you know, the speech synthesis is another thing that's really cool. I and and you know we kind of joke go ahead and take a leg and and I'll I'll take one of those prosthetics but no I wouldn't want to lose lose my ability to speak just so that I could have a speech synthesis right. um although I'm almost not joking about taking my leg for for a <laughs> uh recurve or carbon fiber neat looking thing but yeah then you do lose, you know, the feeling. So I'm, I'm kind of a little bit at an, at a loss on which way I would go there if that yeah. were an option. <clears throat> but um, you know, I'm we're seriously talking about- not making light of it. I'm, I'm yeah. actually serious. The technology <laughs> is cool enough for me to give pause and go, man, maybe I, maybe I could lose a leg for this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so we're we're not we're not making light of of people and and tragic incidents that have happened to people. Right. But there are there's a lot of cool technologies. Now, what I would like and it is totally not altruistic in in my intentions here. I would love if this speech synthesis technology once it's perfected and and able to go to a good use for people to speak who can't speak anymore, then continued development after that to where I can put it to use to interface with a computer faster than my chubby meat sausage fingers can can interface with a computer. <laughs> meat sausage fingers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And, uh, well, I think that uh, did you did you see the the thing with Elon Musk where he was his? I'll just recap it. So he um, 
it's not lost on me that we need to wrap this up, but let me just hit this real quick and we'll call it. Um, He was on the uh, Joe Rogan experience, the Joe Rogan's podcast, and he Mm -hmm. made the comment um, that he was the uh, I did not inhale podcast that he did. uh, Yeah, he really didn't inhale. (laughs) The guy has no idea how to smoke weed. Um, I I noticed that too, but I wasn't uh, gonna actually go there. Yeah. So <laughs> anyway, this so he uh, made. I don't remember exactly how the conversation started, but essentially, uh, Elon made the comment that we are already cyborgs, and he said that what we have right now is most people like when you think about what a cyborg is, it's a it's a some kind of human machine hybrid that has access to a virtually limitless knowledge, um, you know, can do calculations faster than any human, uh, you know, these similar kinds of like feats of intellect. Right. And, and right. In, in addition to that, some, uh, hu- superhuman, um, physical traits, you know, fast, you know, running rap, running fast, jumping high, um, seeing sure, far, sure. that kind of thing. Well, since we're already at the point where basically everyone carries their phone around with them, you do already have the essentially the entire wealth of human knowledge in your pocket. You can use your phone to zoom in, you know, 10 times digital zoom with your camera into anything you want, wherever you are at any given time. Um, you can find your location within centimeters using satellites with this thing that's in your pocket. So his argument is we are already cyborgs. The thing is the problem we have is bandwidth. We have a bandwidth issue. It takes a long time for that entire wealth of human knowledge to go from the internet to your phone and then from your phone to your eyes and then, or ears and then from your eyes and ears into your brain. Now, what you're talking about is with these brain implants is essentially solving that bandwidth problem. There yes, would then, that's what I want to do. Yeah. There would then be no need for your cellular cellular device to look up uh, the photoacoustic effect on Wikipedia. You could just <laughs> conjure that concept and your brain would, your implant would access the internet <laughs> and go fetch that information and bring it back to you. Now, in that kind of situation, you know, you're probably still having to pay somebody for four or 5G uh, service to your, your brain implant. <laughs> you know, it's still got to go because, you know, cable companies are going to get into your brain at some point. Um, and, and, and I'm going to have advertisements hitting me every time I try and go to sleep because yeah. my connection has gone a little bit, you know, lax. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I just think that's it was an it was a neat idea that that we are already androids and um and it was it was a good conversation. I I thought it was neat and everyone should go no, watch I, the Elon the latest Elon Musk on Joe Rogan podcast episode. I really love good. that idea. I just need a, a a much higher bandwidth between me and my modem. Yep, exactly. That's all my phone is to me is a modem. And I need to, <clears throat> to get information piped into my brain faster. <laughs> 
Yes, sir. That is true. <laughs> you think it's about time All to, right. to call it, sir? I think it's about time to call it. It has been a very interesting uh, range of topics today. It has. Uh, I have had uh, a great time discussing them with you, and I hope everybody listening has had a great time discussing it with us. Yeah, me By too. all means, please, we have we have Twitter, we have Reddit. Please reach out to us and and let us know your thoughts on that. Let us yeah. Let us know if there was a a take on any of these subjects that maybe you didn't think we we covered the right way or or we might need to have our minds changed we're up for intellectual de- debate like that absolutely trust me. yeah absolutely so be f- be feel free uh, a different topic on reddit a different topic on twitter feel free to reach out to us and let us know how we pissed you off how you agree with us anything <laughs> just we're, yeah. we're open about it. It, it, it it's gonna be great yeah agreed it was good talking to you Mike have yourself a good night good talking to you John everybody have a good night good night